0: Susan Gaddy, a native of Greenville, South Carolina, stepped into the world of politics at the age of 15 for a Senate campaign. Her dad was a lawyer and her mother, North Carolina realtor. Susan says her entrepreneurial drive to run her attorney firm is from her parents. She has been a capital fundraiser for decades and is now actively running for office. What are her plans for fighting inflation? How will she improve the lives of the North Carolina residents? Who is Susan's role model? Let's listen in to Susan's journey and her race to the Senate. Susan, thank you so much for being on the show. It's such an honor to have you.
1: Thank you, Deepak. It's a pleasure to talk with you today on April 15.
0: Perfect. So let's get started with our set of fire questions. So I know you're trying to run for the office, So can you tell us, like, you know, what would you do if you were elected? What would you do the very first day?
1: Absolutely. I am running to protect our North Carolina way of life. And my vision on how to help North Carolina is to fight inflation and to improve the economy for the citizens of North Carolina that the inflation rate is right now, it's the highest it's been since I was first at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill as a first year student. I have a background as a business lawyer. I have represented hundreds of businesses in my uh, legal career. I'm a lawyer who's a native of Greenville, South Carolina. I've just won my third award from the University of South Carolina School of Law. And uh, my vision is to lower the cost of healthcare by lowering prescription drug prices. Uh, do you know who Mark Cuban is?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, uh, he owns a basketball team, and he's a billionaire, and he has—he's on the television with the uh, Shark Tank. Mm-hmm on CNBC, and he's got an online pharmacy set up that he's gonna, it's called At Cost Plus Drugs that just come out this month. And so that's a private sector innovation to lower the cost of prescription drugs. Now, being a business lawyer, lowering the cost of healthcare is super important for, the citizens of North Carolina, who are frankly aged 50 and up, are about a third of the population, and I'm 59. So, in the big picture, the number one driver for Americans to file a consumer bankruptcy is the cost of health care. But the cost of health care and prescription drugs really affects. Uh, everybody, because at the end of the day, um, even if you don't ever buy a prescription drug, other people have to have them. And so we have to have, right now, uh, my mother actually transferred to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill in 1953, which is the anniversary of the Salk vaccine that uh, was for polio. And so I have my, my, both of my parents have died. And my, I have my mother's diary from when she turned 12 years old. And she records a lot of things, including how she played basketball and she played tennis and she practiced the piano and she studied and she, she did all kinds of fun things. But because of polio, she wasn't allowed to go swimming. And so she did all kinds of other things. And of course, in 1944, there is no Salk vaccine, but in 1953, there is. And that's the year that she transfers to the U.N. to, to North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So uh, fighting inflation is a complex task, but something specific that a U.S. senator can do in, is to eliminate the federal and state gas tax and i am on in public on a blog asking or advocating for governor cooper to eliminate the state gas tax in north carolina and i'm on my website susangaddy.com advocating to eliminate the federal gas tax now Lowering or eliminating the federal and state gas tax is just one tangible thing to do, but lowering the cost of health care through lowering prescription drug prices is a second tangible way to actually make a difference in the lives of North Carolina residents. And to improve the economy for citizens of North Carolina, we have all kinds of manufacturing jobs that are already in North Carolina but numerous uh, global businesses are starting and investing in and increasing their investments in North Carolina for more manufacturing jobs throughout the state. But, But the primary driver of the increased population that North Carolina has had between the 2010 census and the 2020 census are all the new good jobs in North Carolina. People retire here, we have a strong military presence that uh, two days ago, um, a US Senator from Montana was in Ukraine and that uh, he visited with the people from the 82nd Airborne in Fort Bragg while he's there. So people in North Carolina from, who are stationed at Fort Bragg are, representing us well. They're in our military. We need to protect our troops. We need to support our veterans. I've represented uh, numerous veterans in my law practice. I have numerous people in my family who are retired military. Uh, The chief chaplain of the Air Force, who was a general in the Air Force, um, a Southern Baptist from Winston-Salem, He had been an Air Force pilot. He gave the uh, homily at my mother's uh, memorial service. And so I'm very connected with the importance of how we need to make sure that our military has the resources that it needs and that once the veterans come home, that they get the support that they need. And again, the cost of inflation and the cost of health care is affecting military families, it's affecting veterans, it's affecting seniors. And it, I think it's a super important issue in 2022.
0: Perfect. So with that, can you tell us like, um, you entered into politics at, in, in which year?
1: Well, I began volunteering when I was 15 years old in high school in a u.s senate campaign in virginia and it was a fantastic experience because uh i was new to virginia for ninth grade Uh, my mother had remarried in my hometown and in 1976 i knew people who were involved in the primary process for nominating the candidates and this man uh that I talked about with respect to the Sears commercial, he was a Reagan person um, in Greensboro. And so I was already around elected officials and judges and lawyers with my father being uh, a lawyer. And uh, my, mother, my father's father was a business owner. He was a, a farmer when my father was born, but he became uh, a dealer for Standard Oil of New Jersey, which later became Esso. And uh, I have other family farmers in my who are, fam- who are farmers right now. So that agriculture is an important industry to North Carolina and the jobs associated with agriculture, the cost of doing business, again, the cost of fuel. When I go to the grocery store, I'm seeing spot shortages on the shelves and everybody to get groceries, whether you're buying them at a convenience store, or a retailer that is a full service grocery store, they have to be delivered by a truck. And that truck has to have fuel. And that truck has to have uh, drivers who are trained in safety and who can get the goods to market. And so really the uh, global picture that we're in right now, that uh, China, the People's Republic of China They are the world's second largest economy, but the United States is the world's largest economy. And we have the most complex economy in the world. It's the most stable economy in the world. And inflation isn't just affecting us, but it's affecting everybody. China cannot get its goods to market in the United States to export to us if they have their economic problems that they can't fix. And so these nuances that take place, that is really what the policymakers in Washington, that's their job, is to protect the interests of the United States, protect the national security interest, protect our economy and to improve our economy and to pr- improve the lives of the residents in our home states. So inflation is really a tax on all North Carolina residents, and I've got a plan to fight it.
0: And um, can you tell us a little bit more about your plans as to how you would fight it?
1: Yes. Through lowering and eliminating the fuel federal tax, the state gas gas tax, and lowering the cost of prescription drugs to lower the cost of health care for everybody.
0: Got it, and um, can you tell us a little bit about um, your role in terms of how you feel Not Carolina has progressed over the years and what changes you're observing now that, you know, when you step into the office, you will change that?
1: What a great question. When I was in college, I volunteered in political campaigns, and uh, I have volunteered in numerous presidential campaigns and governor's campaigns in state legislative races. I've been a political fundraiser for all these decades, and um, it's been a terrific experience to be able to learn from each of these different campaigns because, one can only learn more as it passes, but literally we have to get uh, people in office to go to Washington who will fight for North Carolina and who will fight for the residents of North Carolina who understand the private sector and the importance that improving manufacturing jobs that come to North Carolina, that we have global investments, we've got... Uh, movies produced here we've got tourism we've got agriculture we've got manufacturing and that uh when you have lower cost of fuel it's like uh you have more people that want to live here you have more people that want to retire here you have better tourism it's all about jobs jobs jobs
0: and um from, on a personal note, um, can you tell us a little bit about w- who is your role model in your life? And...
1: Absolutely. I had the chance <clears throat> in 1985 when I was still in college, where my father invited me to go to uh, the American Bar Association meeting that was in London, and I got to hear Margaret Thatcher speak live. At the Royal Albert Hall and it was really exciting. Everybody was lined up, queued up outside the Royal Albert Hall and I had taken two courses in the history of the British Empire. I had taken British politics, I had taken political polling, I had taken business, I had taken statistics, I had taken music, I had taken speech communication, and I, was a, I, I knew everything about Margaret Thatcher that anybody could know. And so she became my hero an inspiration for all the things that she did as a Tory, as a conservative that made a lot of reforms when she became the prime minister. And of course, she's the first female prime minister for the United Kingdom. And uh, it, was, it was quite exciting to hear her speak live.
0: That's pretty cool. And um, can you tell us a little bit about um, why do you think um, the youth should be more involved in politics and government processes?
1: Yes, I was involved. I was involved in my community. I had a high school sorority where we did fundraisers where I sold donuts on Saturday morning. I, I was in the American Field Service where we sold grapefruits and oranges as fundraisers. But in my upbringing, um, and I worked all through uh, before I went to high school. I mean, excuse, well, I did work before I went to high school, but I had a lot of jobs outside of my family before I went to before I finished high school. And so I really worked my way through high school, and those kinds of job skills really, really have um, instilled in me not just a strong work ethic, but an understanding of the kinds of jobs that are available for people who are in high school, who are entrepreneurial as I was and am. And and nearly everybody in my family has owned a business, including my mother. She owned a business called the Sue Gatti Interiors. And my father owned uh, his law practice at different times. And my mother was a North Carolina real estate agent who sold high-end new construction in Chapel Hill. And I've had a North, excuse me, a South Carolina real estate broker's license. And so I've worked with a lot of real estate agents. I've worked with mortgage lenders. And, you know, they're always excited about people coming into the state and You know, you have these big recruiters, you have the Chamber of Commerce, you have all kinds of economic development people who focus on bringing big, big employers in. And you can't just do that, you know, in a 30 second commercial, frankly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) But for youth, um, being involved in the community is the way to learn more about the community, but also to have people learn about you. And so, Everybody, in, in the I lived in both Greenville, South Carolina and in Richmond, Virginia, where I finished high school. And as I said, I was highly involved in church choirs and school courses and music competitions. And um, I, 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 it was a great experience.
0: And what do you think are the essential qualities um, of a good politician?
1: I think to be involved in the community, involved in the state, involved in the process, to be engaged, to love to be around people, to listen to their concerns. I've spent the last uh, two years listening to the voters of North Carolina in their places of work, in their churches, in Rotary, in uh, professional association meetings, And by listening to people who live in North Carolina, I understand what's on their minds. Because just as I'm talking to you about your experience in business, it matters to people to understand who the candidate is and why they want to uh, go to Washington why they want to serve in a policy role and what drives them so that my passion is really devoted to community service and I've been a capital campaign fundraiser for nonprofits for decades and I have this pro education view because of the importance of education for our children and for the future and that if we don't uh, pay attention to Making sure that uh, young people have the chance to go to college or go to finish high school, then we really don't have much of a future to look forward. But in North Carolina, all the community colleges uh, permit high school students to attend, but you can go to any community college in North Carolina right now at no charge. Mm -hmm. And that's a vital. Experience to have to train people to develop skills uh, for the lowest possible cost. Mm -hmm. Because if they can go to community college in North Carolina at no expense for the education, then they can work and they can uh, be contributors to society who have the skill sets needed for today's jobs in this kind of economy whether it's information technology, whether it's manufacturing, whether it's choosing to go into law enforcement, whether it's choosing to go into the military. Right now, the United States has a shortage of military pilots and it takes years to train military pilots, but we actually have a shortage of people who were qualified to go into the military. And so by focusing on the future and by focusing on teenagers in particular, we will improve our numbers for teenagers to be qualified, to be eligible to serve in the American military. We have a shortage of civilian pilots, frankly. And while it's not my place to decide how an airline's gonna train more pilots, I've got pilots in my family who have retired, and they're both military and civilian. And I've had a lot of friends who are pilots who are retired, military and civilian. I've known people that have gone to West Point to the Naval Academy, and that frankly, this summer, as the tourism season gets going, the airlines are having to cancel flights because they don't have enough pilots. They can't change that you know, over spring break, for goodness sake. And so that's a significant issue that's going to affect North Carolina's economy, because you have to have the pilots who can fly the planes in the commercial sector for the airports in North Carolina and for all the commercial airlines that service North Carolina. Mm -hmm. In Wilmington, they're increasing flights. The economy in Wilmington is booming. It's exciting, I was there last weekend For the North Carolina Azalea Festival and I've been following uh all the good things that are going on in Wilmington and uh they've got they've got a million people going through their airport every year and they've got people moving there to retire uh I know people have retired there and it's it's really exciting all the things that are going on in Wilmington that's not to say that there aren't exciting things going on in Greensboro I went to a Bach birthday concert in Greensboro during March Madness and that was so much fun. Downtown Greensboro has a special Easter egg hunt going on this weekend and in Charlotte they've just hired a new uh, artistic director for their ballet and the ballet in Charlotte didn't even exist in the 1960s when I was a child. It started in 1970 and so People in Charlotte, which has had the largest population growth in North Carolina over the past 12 years, it's because they're excited to live in Charlotte. They wanna live in Charlotte and they like doing all the cultural things that are there. I used to, when I, uh, when I moved to Richmond, I flew from Greenville, Spartanburg, through Charlotte to Richmond. And I was in the Charlotte airport every couple of weeks. And I was the teenager flying on my own. And my stepfather had an Eastern Airlines uh, traveler badge or something. I could stay in this special little room. And in those days, people smoked on planes, which was terrible. But uh, my parents smoked and my stepparents smoked. And um, I'm really opposed to smoking as a result. But uh, I've seen the Charlotte Airport grow. I've lived in Charlotte. I've been in sales a license to sell mutual funds in the financial services industry in Charlotte. I've worked in Hillsborough in sales and in rental property management. I did rental property management in college. Uh, I I was on my way to being a slumlord before I applied to law school. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, did all kinds of jobs. I have had, had jobs in college where I was in telephone sales. I've had jobs where I did marketing projects for insurance companies. It, it's really um, a great, I worked in restaurants. I mean, really all the jobs that people have when they don't have a college degree, I've had all of those jobs. And um, that's, that's what I'm seeing when I talk to people in North Carolina, as I travel through North Carolina, listening to what's on their mind.
0: Mm-hmm. So... Um... If I may ask you a question, um, I know like the restaurant um, and the food industry businesses I'm seeing that you know they're struggling to hire, right? Because there's not a lot of people who are willing to go back to work. How would you address that?
1: That's a great question. Because in my business, I've been trying to hire people since December 2019, and when I line people up, I'm really excited that they commit, and I've got somebody coming on board with me that I interviewed in January who is not available until June. And so restaurants have to have staff, and back in Charleston, and here too, I'm sure, the grocery stores, have had to reduce their hours because they can't staff their grocery stores. And so it's not just restaurants, but it's also grocery stores and pharmacies. I paid my Verizon bill this week and Verizon is hiring people to work in their stores. And so people really have a lot of opportunities. And if they're going to community college or if they're working in high school or if they've if they've uh, had a uh, changes to their life circumstances where they've gotten laid off or the business closed because of COVID, then they are able to get rehired in another business. And uh, restaurants are frequently owned by small family business owners, and they've got to be able to have the staff. They have to be able to get the food, like I said, delivered, but the shortage of the low unemployment rate that you're ask, that's what you're really asking me about is what to, what to do about the low unemployment rate. We have to have uh, the ability to attract people to stay in their jobs and to come back to the jobs. And that really happens through sound management. So that when I'm eating in all these restaurants, as I travel, and as I'm here in uh, Brunswick County, then I'm talking to the business owners and I'm talking to the people that are waiting on me in the restaurants, When did you get hired? How did you get hired? What's your experience working in this restaurant? And literally every single person I talk to who is working in a restaurant in North Carolina is happy to have their job. And everybody who's working in a hotel, you have to have hotels that have staff. You can't have a tourism industry without hotels. They are happy to have their job and they're getting promoted in management. I've had people, I've had quite a few experiences uh, going to fast food restaurants where the managers are taking a personal interest to make sure that I have my food right, so, that I think a lot of things are working correctly for the restaurant business, even though there have been a lot of closures. I'm not saying that the closures of family businesses hasn't been a tough thing, because it has. But... I am saying that the future is bright and that people, I know people who have come from other states to North Carolina during COVID to run restaurants here that were running them say in Brooklyn before and they tailor their hours in order to be able to meet the demands and they um, have live music and they have a clientele that, uh, is excited to have a place to go for lunch or to go have live music in the evenings. Uh, in Wilmington, we have talked about that how it, how fun it is to go there, and downtown Greensboro, Charlotte, all, all the big cities are really doing this. They have outdoor live music during the summer, and that attracts people to go to out to eat, and the musicians get paid, and uh, people have a good time, and it really is the economic engine, the driver of small businesses in North Carolina.
0: That's, that's a very pretty good answer uh, to the last question I had. Um, with that, can you, you know, summarize um, in a few uh, minutes or like, you know, how much of a time you needed, why is it that you're running to in you know, the office? And, and if you would like to talk anything about yourself and the future, um, the platform is all yours.
1: Thank you. I'm running to be a fighter in Washington, to fight inflation, to lower the cost of living in North Carolina, to, to fight inflation with the lower fuel tax for the state and federal level, to lower the cost of health care, to make sure that we promote the private sector. That my experience is in the private sector. I. I I have worked for the South Carolina ABC commission and I have worked for the federal judiciary in Washington and I have a background in relationship building which is focused on customer service or on the client. But I'm excited about going to Washington for North Carolina to represent the voters on what matters to them today. Since 1980, a majority of the voters in North Carolina have been women. And two thirds of the voters in North Carolina don't have a college degree. And I think that it's easy to get caught up in uh, people who don't understand the importance of why we need to focus on the future with education and protecting our national security interests with a strong military. The military jobs in North Carolina really have a fundamental role in the economy of North Carolina. And so we have to look out for everybody.
0: Perfect. I think with that, thank you so much, Susan, for spending this 20 to 30 minutes with me. It's such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you and I wish you all the best in your future.
1: Thanks, Deepak. Have a great weekend.
0: Thank you. This was my first interview with someone who was actively running for office. And I had a very interesting talk with Susan. Hope you enjoyed it too. Please do rate and support the podcast. Thank you and take care.